when you're time limited, then you have to be very careful about your consistency. The pros also, in my opinion, should be, but that's a classic thing to say, you know, consistency is key. Well, it, it is actually. And when you go down to a person who puts in eight to 15 hours compared to, let's say, 15 to 30, 40 hours, consistency becomes a bigger factor because that, that foundation of, uh, of aerobic fitness you have are a little more fragile on an age grouper than it is on a pro because they have some bigger blocks at a, at a, at a bigger certain amount of volume at times which gives that foundation is more solid. The Triathlon Show 231. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I interview coach Frank Jakobsen. Frank is uh, a Danish triathlon coach who came into triathlon from a background in elite swimming and later on alpinism. He gained most of his uh, initial uh, credibility from uh, mentoring and advising Ironman world champion uh, Craig Alexander, or Crowey. And since that, he has coached a large number of professional long-distance triathletes. So in this episode, we will go into a discussion on all sorts of aspects related to triathlon training, performance, and uh, things like mindset and goal setting as well. But before the interview, I want to make a quick mention of a couple of house cleaning items that I'll go into more detail on after the interview. And the first one of those is that uh, I have created a free uh, training plan for these COVID-19 times. So that means only bike and run and strength and conditioning. And that plan is available at three different volumes. So seven hours per week, 12 hours per week and 17 hours per week. And again, it is free. Anybody can go and download it. Uh, so uh, I'll talk a little bit, little bit more about that after the interview. And the second quick mention I'll make, make after the interview is about the updated protocol, much improved protocol for the inside testing that uh, I offer as a service. So that will be after the interview. If you're interested in any of those topics, don't tune out when the interview is over. Big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. They create electrolyte products that uh, can help you individualize your electrolyte intake so that you can uh, maintain your performance even in long races and hot conditions, even if you are somebody who loses a lot of uh, sodium in your sweat. Uh, and uh, the whole premise of that is that uh, there is a large variance between individuals in how strong of a, a concentration of sodium you have in your sweat. So some people might need very little or no electrolyte supplementation, but for others, it can be really critical to having a good performance in racing and also in training. And that's something that I definitely notice because I, I sweat a lot and my uh, sweat is very salty. And when I do my long indoor rides on the trainer, the way that I do things right now, uh, staying inside and training, then I do notice a difference in performance when I supplement adequately with electrolytes versus when I don't. Plus, it's also uh, just as a little bit of an added bonus, a very tasty drink. So check them out on precisionhydration.com and uh, get 15% off your order with the promo code show 15 And thank you to Roka. 
Roka has just recently launched a new and very exciting product, the Matador sunglasses. And uh, these sunglasses have the most game-changing design and tech specs that Roka has created so far with everything that they've had in their previous uh, glasses uh, like uh, Geeko uh, anti-slip technology, uh, really premium lenses with encodings, fog resistance, fingerprint resistance and so on, super light. But uh, they have made a lot of improvements to the lenses and the optics as well. So these, these glasses are really something, something else. Go and check them out on roca.com and go through the landing page roca.com forward slash TTS to get a 20% discount on your Matador sunglasses or whatever products you choose to shop for on Roca's website. Now, without any further ado, here's the interview with Frank Jakobsen. Welcome to that Draftlon show, Frank. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you. You? I'm good as well. Thanks yeah. a lot. Uh, let's start with just uh, you telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself, your background, and uh, what sort of what, who the athletes that you have coached are, and so on. Yeah. Um, so I, my personal sports experience and and performance is is much lower than my those that I have the pleasure of of working with in the sport now. So I, I used to be a elite swimmer when I was younger and then when I was not yeah before I really got into to the age of where you should go to Olympics and stuff like that long time before that I I went education and went out working and so forth um, and then in my life I was skiing a lot I was climbing a lot I was uh, going into high mountains uh, so I always loved outdoor sports and and especially endurance outdoor sports so at a certain time my wife and me, we moved to Copenhagen to kind of like have, let's say, more normal jobs in corporate. And uh, and we, we started doing triathlon. We were like, okay, what sport are we going to do in a big town? Well, let's join the, the triathlon club. So this is like 20, over 20 years ago that we started doing that. So we were, you know, we were riding, you know, Ironman Austria with the three, three uh, chain rings on the front and you know funny looking helmets and stuff like that and clip on on the bars and stuff so from that time and we just loved it you know we we met people that were of same kind of values that to get out and even if it's raining we ride and we swim in the ocean and stuff like that so so that's a little bit how i got into triathlon then i raced ironman half was was what i would like to race like endurance um and at the same time i worked in corporate so my I'm not let's let's say I'm not from the the line of uh, that my wife, for instance, who has a master degree in sport and science, but I ended up coaching her, uh, and she started to perform and and went to Kona and performed and like that. And then some other people asked about how I did with her, and then I coached them. And and then one time we were in Kona, I met Craig. Um, we lived in the same hotel, and we started to talk. And Craig Alexander for yeah, the listeners that might yeah. not know. And, and and with Craig, I I kind of like, uh, I had some clear ideas about coaching, but of course, uh, not coming from the sports university and like that, I had a lot of read up on this on, on those things to do. But at the same time, I had been a, 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 let's say, corporate coach where I worked and education from more business and corporate coaching and stress coaching. And so I got, I got into it from that side. And uh, I think with Craig at that time, uh, he was already world champion one time when I met him. So 
I met a guy who was a physical wonder. I mean, like he was for me and still is. I admire what he did, how he trained. And, but I still had some ideas about training. But it was more, I think more it was timing-wise. It was very good for him to to meet me and for me to meet him. It, it was just a good time because uh, he probably needed somebody on the other aspects uh, than just the physical training. And and I, I was a good uh, sounding board for him on that. And we talked about a lot of things uh, and our relation developed. And so let's say over 10 years, I have been, uh, let's say, high, high performance advisor, mentor for him on some things. Uh, and that over those years, it, I could test some of my ideas and we talked about running technique and like that. So when I would talk with him about my perspective of running efficiency and he would say, listen, I've been through a lot. I know how to run, but what you're telling me sounds right. Let's test it. And we did and it would work and like that. Then it, of course, gave me confidence that, okay, you don't have to be from the sports university to have a view and an idea of things in this sport and and. So he has been a profound uh, advantage for me and helped me a lot uh, in the same way as I could bring things to the table for him that would help him a lot. So so that has that was was pure luck for me, and it has uh, shaped me as uh, the way I think and and like that. So so that relationship was was of course important and and has been fantastic for me. And who are some of the other notable professional athletes that you are coaching or have coached, uh, other than other than Craig? Um, so I, I've, I've worked with uh, I don't know probably twenty professionals over over my career, and, and I'm currently working with like ten uh, professional athletes. Um, so before I had the pleasure of working with uh, Jens Petersenbach and Guillermo Minocchi, who both have won uh, Ironman Copenhagen. Uh, so uh, among others in the past and, and winning Ironman Sweden and, and records and like and this moment I'm now with uh, so Michel Westerby that of course has been a lot with and just had a baby and and, and like that uh, and is is Kona Reddy Jesper Svensson who was uh, last year was second in Roth and uh, actually is a swim swim run world champion from Ötelö race and, and two times Ironman champion I work with a Norwegian, Hans Christian, uh, Tungesvik, who, who won Norseman last year, and then Sara Svensk, who last year won Barcelona and, uh, and, and went so fast that she got the, Nor- the Nordic record on the Ironman distance. And I, for, with Craig and with some people in Brazil, I got involved in a, in a project of a team in Brazil where I still work with Thiago Minyal from Brazil. And then I have been so lucky to meet and Igor Amorelli down there and, and we started working last year together and then I have uh, a few upcoming talents uh, Anders Christensen uh, Sebastian from Poland uh, Martina from Norway and like that so that's like uh, yeah so yeah I've been lucky to to meet and, and have the trust of people who, who really had uh, the, some some dedication to, to what they were doing and then could take it to a yeah well for me the highest level is when you win a race winning is not so easy in this sport so uh, I've been lucky to to have people who could do that. Yeah. And and you also coach uh, some age groupers, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have uh, some age groupers, and and uh, and that changes a little bit over the years, but not a lot. Most of them, I, I prefer if they actually stay with me. But we have a kind of agreement that when we get to the end of the season, if their goal for the next season is not, uh, let's say, 
not ambitious, but just that if I feel that, listen, for this goal, you actually don't need my help, then I will tell them. And then I will say, first, first of all, save the money. And second of all, let's stay friends. But there is no, I don't, I, I work best. And in my opinion, as a, I see some coaches who has, you know, maybe one, one good athlete and then they fill up with a lot of age groupers. That's good from a business perspective, but it doesn't work for me. I had, I had a time where I had more athletes. But if I sit and just do programs that somehow is, I like, I like when it's a challenge. Of course, I don't like when it's very challenging, but it is sometimes. But when it is, I, I feel that I also as a coach develop. So that's why I try to keep it at, at a fairly no, low number. And I like when it's people who really want to, you know, like at, the, at a minimum, you know, go for podiums where they race, uh, not necessarily in Kona, but at least get to Kona or stuff like that, you know, so, um, that's when I feel that I'm at my best and that I really develop also because I have to think about what I'm doing. I don't like to do repeat work and like that. So, so I try to, I try to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. So in some of our conversations that we've had uh, before this interview, you've mentioned that you have uh, kind of a list of uh, several points besides just the physical training and skills training oh, yeah. that are required for triathlon yeah. success. So can we go into that a little bit? Can you talk about a few of those important points and uh, yeah, how, how to work on them and optimize them? Yeah, I, th I think it's it, in the beginning. I had it as a rough kind of idea, uh, and very much from corporate. When I worked in corporate, I, it was the same. I I worked, and and my expertise was people uh, getting the maximum out of people. Because in, in corporate, if you're paying a person every month, what is the most important thing? The most important thing is to get the maximum out of what you're paying, and that is then a person. It can be the thinking, it can be how fast they are doing something like that. But it's always about the person. And actually, when you help people to excel, that's actually also normally when they are happy. So people, they, they kind of like go like, oh, if the persons are happy, then we can get them to perform. No, a lot of people actually are very happy when they feel they perform and create value. So so from that point of view, I when I got more serious about Thailand, then I was like, and I, and I saw that people would come to me and they would just talk about power and pulse and what how do you train and like that and i was like that's that kind of like in a way sometimes becomes the simplest part the hardest part is to find out what is most important for the person who comes to you and there i developed this especially with craig when i worked with craig that was some of the points that maybe he was not fulfilling totally or even missing to to look at uh, so it has become a we call it the the, the dna method because it's totally individual so it's it, it actually dna is a is one in seven billions you know you have your own dna so we call it dna method and it has 10 points and that has over the year been a bit a little bit but the last five years has been like this is it these are the 10 points that define and interact in each other's on performance in triathlon and actually in many things in life to be honest but so in the triathlon one it, it we start basically under Of course, we well. There is a, a if it's a method, you start from one point, and the, the start point would always be what is your goal, and from your goal springs the motivation. So that's one point, you know, and 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 it's a very big point. It's a it's huge, and 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 for instance, in in, in goals and motivation, it's it's a you can say that some people just yeah, it's obvious. I want to get better and like this and that. Yeah, but 
uh, from from the goals you want to test point could it be how your goal how inside driven or outside driven for instance is it does it mean means that how much does it come from within your desire to see how good can I be at a certain thing and like that or how outside driven is I like acceptance from the club or acceptance or admiration and things like that. And I, and I meet athletes where I say, I don't care what other people think of me. And I go, sorry, we all care. Because deep down from long time ago, when we were living in caves, we were depending on being accepted in a group, else we would be pushed out of the cave and we would die. So deep down in our mind is acceptance in a group and sometimes admiration or how how powerful we are in the group and like that. So it becomes, to a certain extent, on goals and motivation, it becomes how dependent are you on? How how much does it feel? Is it 10%? Are you 10% driven from outside, you know, things? Or are you 90% driven from outside? And I can tell you, when I work with these with my people, when I see that they are very out-driven, you know, from being, you know, admired or accepted or things like that, that that's not going to carry you the last 15K down on the run on queen k in corner in 35 degrees then you're gonna lose so the so more what, so what do you do if if you have a situation where an athlete is very externally motivated like that and you know that that is a weakness uh how what is sort of a strategy uh, that that you can go about to increase that internal motivation uh there are, there are several ways one of them is that you see if you can change the goal to something that is deeply connected with your human values that means uh, in this sport for instance uh, one athlete for instance would say that you would go like so what what who do you admire okay i admire this one why oh yes this person has really a high discipline very dedicated to the sport like this and that okay so that's a value for the person then you go and you check is your goal actually aligned with those deep values in you you know because those values they come from your home also what were you brought up with and things like that it can also be somebody says i like that athlete because he takes chances when he's racing he takes chances and like that okay why is that important to you well because i'm from a i'm from a family where my father took chances he built up companies he went bankrupt he tried again i think that's how people should be okay if you think that's how people should be that's how you should actually act as an athlete because that's how you're going to be in your zone because it's aligned with your values so if you then if i would then force a person whose whose values are like that to say go safe don't take chances i would be counterproductive advising him up how to race i should support it I should support it to a certain extent that, hey, listen, just run three minutes per K on the Ironman, go, 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 but he's going to blow. So you would you would then align his human values with his goals in the race or in training. Then you start to seek people excel. So you, you, you try to find what is your human values, and then you see, is your goals uh, aligned with that? And on the other side, you try, of course, to get away from all the stupid social media goals and like that, you know, that people they are addicted to the likes and like and you try to explain them and show them that the likes are not going to change your life yeah they're going to give you a little more sponsor money if you have a lot but when you're running out there there's nobody pressing like it's you and your body and what you have trained you know so you try to open the eyes that the superficial things doesn't have that big value and you try to align the the true goals with their true values and if you can get that a little bit turned then you as a coach, in my opinion, has, has done your job. You cannot totally just fix it, but you can at least have the discussion and have the talk and then open the eyes for, you know, the connections. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a great example. So, uh, what are some of the other points uh, other than the goals and the motivation? As it goes down, it in ten points. The next one would be, uh, the, the the first two here a little bit. They can maybe be a little bit people ago. Can we talk about power soon? You know, but the next one would be uh, it's called unique, uh, and and that relates to that every person when you put a goal every year is in a unique position. That means you are different than you were six months ago. And in six months from that point, you will be different. We change. Time changes. You just have to look at your watch and it changes every second. So nothing stands still, not even the person. So in Unique, we go in and say, okay, if this is the goal, where are we now then? What is your strength according to your goal? What is your weakness? What is your, what is, what is the threats and what is the opportunities this year, you know? And that changes. And if you have that conversation and, and analyze it correctly then you then there are some things that you can say whoa i need to take care of this that i have to be aware of this and i have to grab that chance and you know so and that, that that's something i see with the professionals that somehow somehow they think they're repeating and you know i just develop a little bit yeah but the things around you they change so 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 the first step is to find the goal the next thing is to say okay what are the unique circumstances for exactly you here and now for this season and then you move on and then you then you move into like time just plan that's normal you know season planning but to be a little bit more maybe critical and say what are we spending our time on now okay what do you want to spend more time on and what do you want to spend less time on? because nobody make it nobody's sitting and watching the wall for one hour a day nobody Everybody is filling up their time with them. The question is, what do you fill up your time with? And some people, unfortunately, fill up their time with things that is not productive towards their goal. You got so as a coach, I try to get those things away. You know, like say, this is not productive for anything. Stop doing it. Can and you give some? Can, can you give some examples of common issues that you have with, that you see athletes do waste their time on? Essentially, uh, this is the, the, the easiest thing is your phone. I mean, that's just the easiest thing to say. I mean, there are other things, but I mean, the easiest, the most obvious to anybody in the world right now is your phone that is slowly starting to be a full attachment of people's hand you know you can operate it into some people's hands they, they just can't bite them that would be a problem but of course spending time on the phone uh, so I, you could say it in this way stop following others start following your dream you know that would be one way of saying it you know and some would say no it's good for me to know what all the others are doing well is it what do you get out of it you know does it actually propel you towards your goal you know, all these social media that we are spending time on that are addictive and we know they're addictive and all this. So I, I won't go down that road because there's a lot of other experts, but I think everybody now should understand that. And th the worst is when I have an athlete who says, no, no, I got this. And I go like, no, you don't. Because behind these Facebook, Instagram, there are people that they have hired from Las Vegas who made people gambling addicted. They are now working in Silicon Valley for Facebook and Instagram to make you addicted to spend as much time on their fucking things as possible. Sorry, my language. But uh, so so the first thing step in this is to understand that you are being manipulated to spend time on it. Okay, how can I then do what I need to do there and see what I think is nice to see and then get away from there? So that would be one way of wasting your time and then correcting it. You know, Very important in my opinion at the moment. So, you know, to work with that, for instance. Yeah, and and this does this also apply? Does time also apply to, uh, let's say, things that you some athletes are doing in training, but that would not be the most productive use of that time? So, uh, I don't know. Let's say 
if you have an athlete that come to you and they're doing six hours per week in the gym uh, uh, yeah. for many athletes that might be excessive do you, do you have that sort of assessment of time as well like w- where does your training time go not just the time outside of training I mean, I have to say I'm probably more focused on the time outside because the, the time inside the training is planned, you know. I yeah. I will put that, okay, we are doing run strength for 45 minutes, we're doing this for that. And sometimes the athlete comes and say, hey, Frank, it only takes me half an hour to do these three times this and like this and that, you know, and I'll go like, well, it's more, it's not so much the time, it's more that you get through this sequence of movements and, and strength just after the run and and like that. So, yeah, I, I, I look more at the, at the things what they do outside of training because training is pretty much set that, okay, today we have a five hour ride or we have a two hour this and like that, you know. So mm-hmm. if they don't follow the training, then of course comes the thing that why didn't you go five hours? Why did you only go three and a half? But that has many times to do with, well, I was tired um, or did you drink enough? I didn't sleep well last night or things like that, you know. So no, on time, it's pretty much, you know, what do you spend our time on? And then, the, the other line is okay how do i build my season you know when am i training when am i high training load when am i camp with races taper all these prioritization is time planning and then on the other side is how do we spend our time you know those two yeah. lines in time yeah yeah so uh, yeah but then yeah moving on yeah, we can move we can move fast through another yeah. what the next one is equipment you know so when we have the goal we have the circumstances we have time planning and and where we spend our time then we move into equipment and we say okay what is the status of equipment which sponsors do you have what bikes do you have this year which tires are we using what's the helmet do you have a new helmet sponsor okay then we have to test which helmets are good for what so you know you go through the whole uh, setup of equipment and see if there are improvement things or adaption things for the pros you can have adaption things meaning that well i have this helmet sponsor so i have to use these helmets you know you cannot freely just choose. And of course, the last year there's been a lot on equipment with the running shoes, you know, like with the Nike and all this stuff. So, yeah. So, so for, for instance, on the running shoes, then we would actually concretely go out and buy the Nike. We go to a track and we do a test. So we see what is the difference for you. If you run in the shoes you're normally running in, if you run in the Nike, is there a difference? What difference is there? You know, so instead of listening to all the, this and this and this, we go into each person and say, okay, what does it mean for you, you know, on equipment? So, yeah. And is that something that uh, the pros can do a lot? I mean, some of them don't have a lot of uh, of, of income, really, to yeah. uh, unless they are at the top of the game. So how how do you do in circumstances where it might not be an option? Okay, shoes, maybe this is a, a big enough issue that the pros might be able to do that, but something else like going out and buying multiple different bike helmets might be a bit of a more something that might not even be available. How, how do you tackle those challenges? Because I work with different pros, then of course I can transfer knowledge from one to the other, you know, without, without even revealing secrets between the pros, because I try to respect, you know, if they want to share knowledge between them, they are free to do that. I don't share it unless I know it's permitted. But of course, if, if, if I know that one new helmet has come on the market and it's very ventilated compared to how aero it also is, then of course we would probably go for that one if we think that it's also fitting the body position and like that. So, so there is some transfer of information of working with several. Uh, well, else I think, you know, it's more to be informed instead of reading, you know, instead of guessing. It's more to take and say, okay, what does it mean for me? You know, get get down to the person because 
in that way, you you just have a better conversation, you know. So if somebody is sponsored by by New Balance and says that, oh, those guys in the Nikes, they're running faster than me. Okay, well, then let's test it. Let's test what it exactly is. Then we know if it's two seconds or five seconds per K. What is it, you know? So if we then find out, oh, it's 20 seconds per K, you know, then okay. Then we have a problem, you know. Then they have to go to the sponsor and say, are you coming with a shoe that's, you know, with the new things and like that? And then you start working. So it's a progression, but at least you get in on a personal level and and address the circumstances, you know. If you don't, if you just take the general information out there and apply it to a person, then it doesn't become personal, does it, you know. So, mm-hmm. so with, with the, the wetsuit, you know, the wetsuit, you can take all the best wetsuits, the, the top line of all wetsuit brands, and if if we say there are ten, then five of the wetsuits would fit for one athlete, and five of them would not. Even if the best one, best material, best they they are not put together in the same shape, you know. So, there, if somebody swims suddenly faster because they have a new brand, then we know oh, there's something wrong, and then we have to find out what it is. So. Yeah, and you mentioned there that for the pros they can to some extent adapt to certain things, but yeah. uh, for the age groupers it's more about finding an improvement. Uh, did I get that right? Yeah, I mean for 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 somebody who's not sponsored, you have the choice. There, you need to just inform yourself and test if you can before you make the choice. That's that's the best way, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, the the difference there being that you're not constrained by sponsorship contracts. So, yeah. uh, of course, you have to pay for the stuff. That's the yeah. disadvantage. But yeah, <laughs> and, and then some people they go, well, I get I can get this in half price, so I'm going to go with that. Then if you go like, okay, I, I take this wetsuit, yeah, but it doesn't fit you, so you're going to lose one minute on Ironman race. Good. Just you know that to save 200 euros, you're going to go one minute slower. Then you can make that decision. But at yeah. least get to a point where it's an informed decision. That's what. That's how we try to work. We try to work with informed decisions instead of guessing. You know, so I think that's yeah. more the, the point in, in equipment. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, then the next point after equipment. Yeah. Then we. Then it's food. You know. And yeah. I think we can. We can just take it and say, well, that's one of the topics. You know, nutrition, food, mm-hmm. daily food, and training nutrition and race nutrition. That's the three parts. You know. Which is a topic that is, I mean, it's it's endless. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Do you want to give like a one, two, or three sentence summary of some of the the main things around nutrition that you think uh, are important? I mean, it, it, there's so many details. It's uh, it's actually it's my wife who who has a who has a she's certified sports nutrition expert who works with my athletes on these things. So, and I I follow it closely. You know, so we have our philosophies and our opinions and then we try to see what's coming up so we are not i'm not a guy who says that ah you just have to do this and this it's always work no there are so many new things coming that it's really you need to stay up to date and then you need to filter it then you have to go like what is commercial and what could actually benefit so i mean like like okay so you can say a couple of things that it could be new to look at and like that that i know so already some years ago we started looking at for instance the the sodium uh use uh, uh kaiser worked together with the with the the english guys the precision hydration we bought the test equipment so we actually went from well let's take this and this you know let's measure let's measure how much do you lose how much sweat do you lose and then make and then like okay in this environment in this temperature in this humidity at this intensity you lose this much okay and you know 
to try to start to build records on the athletes slowly that when you get to one place where it's 20 degrees and humidity 50 and it's Ironman race, how much sodium should I take per hour? Okay, you know, again, getting from I know now, getting to really informed decisions, you know, and that sometimes takes work that takes a long time, you know, so and equipment and testing and like that. So that would be one thing, for instance, we started. Now, we are, the last years, we have looked a lot at working on the body's pH level, uh, which is a which is one of the key components of, of homeostasis in the body. And it sounds a little bit like, but basically it is to keep your body in balance as you are smashing it. Because doing a full Ironman is you are smashing yourself. So what can we do to help the body? Well, we can try to keep it in balance, which is inside the body is called homeostasis level to, to balance it out. And one of the things that we are really moving is the pH level. Um, so, so many knows what the pH level is in your hair because the, the shampoo uh, commercials, they tell you, but in your body, it's 7.4 and, and you want to try to, and hard physical exercise is acid. Uh, a lot of the food we eat today is acid. Um, so you want to help your body, you know, by, by putting things that are, uh, you know, balancing it out instead of being acids, it's alkaline. And that you can do in your training and you can do it in the racing also. So we, we tried to start to look a lot at that some years ago and, and are working constantly on trying to, to look at these things. You know. And, and do you, on that note, do you have an opinion on something that is pretty trendy right now is the anthuman lotion, which I think the proposed mechanism is that it yeah, sort yeah. of buffers the, the acid uh, level in the, uh, in the body, so makes it less uh, less. Uh, um, acidic. Yeah, I, what I've seen is the I have only have access to what they have shown. You know, so you always have to filter it through that you respect that anybody who runs a company are trying to be ethically correct, and then they also, of course, has a purpose of telling you these things. So, from what they have shown, yeah, there is some. I wouldn't say buffer. I would say that it helps. You know, buffer is like really moving it. Uh, so, but we are very positive to anything that moves a little or a lot or like that. We are always, I'm always looking on these things like, are we neutral or positive? You know, are we, is it, is it a zero or, or, or benefit? As long as we are sure it's, it not an, it doesn't have a negative impact, you know, even on zero, it can have a placebo effect. So, you know, then, okay, let's try it, you know. So it's, it's so new that it's difficult a little bit to, to be sure, so I have some who's using it, and and uh, they say they feel that it's using that it's helping. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, sure. the next point then on the list after well then it's uh, physical. Then we actually get to physical training and skills finally. Right. You know. So yeah. So yeah, we can talk on, on that point. Is, is, uh, yeah. So can can you uh, kind of discuss a, a little bit around your overall philosophy on on that physical training side? Uh, yeah. Um, well, if, if we take a total step back, then in, uh, I have a lot of, you know, like, but one thing that in my thing is clear is that we are talking about endurance sport. Uh, for some, it becomes a headline and then they just go into the training. For me, it, it, the word endurance means a lot of implications. So uh, if, if we look, where do we have our knowledge from? And where does it come from? For me, coming not from a sports university, but trying to catch up and reading like crazy and talking to a lot of nice people who would help me in the beginning, I, I kind of like said, okay, so when I'm 
trying to catch up on all this knowledge, I wanted to pick the right knowledge. And what I saw was that, in my opinion, a lot of the knowledge, to a certain extent, came, there are some filters for me. So first of all, in the Olympics, uh, the, the first, the, the longest event is the marathon. That is the third discipline in an Ironman. So the, the longest events at the Olympics, the parade, uh, ooh, at the end of the Olympics, we do the marathon because it's so long. Well, our, I am not a, a Olympic distance coach, I have to say, uh, specify. I am a half and full distance specialist. So that means that what I work with, our shortest distance is three hours and 30 minutes. And that's the men. Um, so that's already like an hour or more longer than the longest Olympic distance. And a lot of research and like that has come into the sports together with the Olympic, with the Olympic uh, uh, event because it became a political statement for the countries of how developed was a country, which I guess Hitler was one of the first who tried to use it, the Olympics as propaganda. But since then, Russia and US and then later China. And so there is a kind of like the more medals you can take at the Olympics, the more developed your country is kind of like. You know, not, not, I don't say it in a bad way, but it's, it, it is a little bit there. So that means that a lot of research and money was put into anything that has to do with the Olympics. And from that, a lot of, uh, of course, scientific articles and books and like this comes out from that. So you have to trace your, your, I trace my knowledge from where does it come from and try to filter it. So I filter it through that, well, a lot of this has, is not necessarily endurance sport, what they're talking about. Um, and then, then second of all, there are two shifts, in my opinion, uh, that in the 30s, they started to learn how to measure VO2 max. So a lot of training methods was based on VO2 max all the way until coming into the 70s when you could then measure, you started measuring uh, whatever people want to call maximum lactic steady state or anaerobic threshold or whatever we want to call it. And then from the 70s on, a lot of training books and articles were made on based on that you know so so my i my ideas are a little bit filtered through that okay is this based on this or is it based on that on like that so i try not to just copy things into my head i try to say what is this actually meant for and and what use does it have in endurance sport because i think endurance sport is it's it's especially ironman it's pretty pretty solid different from a lot of things you know then there are some basic physical things but they are pretty basic so you know so in my opinion my philosophy is there is nothing that fits uh, all. I, I worked at a certain time with two athletes and they moved on at the same time. And one of them uh, continued the career and one stagnated totally. And why? Because they were both introduced into the same training system. One was ready for it and one was not. And I, unfortunately, I already knew that when they moved and I was like, oh, this is not good for one of them. Uh, so, so when a person comes to me, I think that at a certain point, a coach has to if you, if you have a coaching philosophy, it has to be that you have to have different methods and you have to find out what method to apply to that person at that time. That is, that is my basic core philosophy. Mm. Um, one example could be the 80-20 philosophy. You know, 80% is at zone 2 or 1 or 2, whatever you call it, and 20% then has to be threshold or VO2, you know, whatever. That's the 80-20 method. I know for a fact that this method is fantastic, but I know for a fact that it doesn't apply. It is not the right one to apply to every person at 
at a certain time in their development. It's just not. This is a fact. So, so the, the people who goes out and says, I have the right method, for me, they're deadly wrong, uh, unfortunately. I don't want yeah. to discuss with them. I think it's fine. That's their opinion, but it's absolutely not my opinion. My opinion is you have to really analyze the person. Where are they? What do they need now to move to their next level? Then, then if a person, I don't apply the 80-20 method to that person, maybe two years later I need to apply it. And that's why every year you have to reassess and really reassess a person. So first analyze where are we now, where do we want to go, what do we do now then? And then every year you have to make that assessment. So that's basically my, my philosophy on the physical training. Then we work, uh, I work with, uh, you know, testing. But when we do tests in, in different labs around different people test, the people I work with, I am very critical. They have to t- be tested right, you know. If they're not right and you get a number and then you start calculating percentage numbers from that number and the, the, the first number is wrong, then you are just going the wrong way. So, What are some of the mistakes that happen in lab testing, some of the maybe incorrect protocols that you see used that can potentially mislead people? There is, there is one basic one where they go and get tested. That is that if you're testing a person on a bike, for instance, it has to be the person's own bike. You know, you cannot put a person on a in Scandinavia, for instance, it's very popular to have these Monarch bikes because they were the first uh, uh, with power meter and they're very correct. And oh, But it doesn't matter. You cannot put a person on a different saddle in a, in a little bit different position and then tell them, now I want you to do your maximum. And then after, you're actually even going to tell the efficiency the, the <laughs> of the person. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense. And I've seen people in really, really good people taking a person in and wanting to test them on the bike on steps in a room that's, let's say, 25 degrees. Uh, they open the window a little bit and then it's like, and we know that inside the brain there is one thing that's going to shut down the muscles, and that's the, the central governor system, if you believe in that, you know. So when the, the core temperature is rising, then you are not going to you, – you cannot do your maximum. That's impossible, you know. And the way you cool down is that air flows over your skin and makes your sweat evaporate, and that evaporation creates a cooling effect into your blood that goes back to the core. Now, if you don't have air moving in a room, then at a certain time, your core temperature is going to start rising so fast that your brain is going to start shutting down muscle fibers. And, 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 do, and you want to perform a test, a maximum test on that. That's impossible. That is just nonsense. And I have seen it. Uh, so that's why I'm, I'm quite critical on that. that. That's one of the ones where I'm quite like, okay, you want to test one of my athletes, then talk to me first. And I want that you do it proper on the bike yeah. with this and this and this, you know, so I, that's, uh, then we have these masks and, and like that, and it's fantastic. But also, people are testing running on a treadmill now. If you want to tell me that a treadmill is exactly like running outside, no, it's not. We know that, but because we, in general, don't have the equipment to test outside, you have one that's called the K five from Cosmet, but it's very expensive. It's like twenty five, thirty thousand euro for that equipment, you know. So people then put people on treadmills and they test them there. And then they are then going to say you are, your threshold run pace is this. First of all, who knows that the treadmill is calibrated correct? Okay. Second of all, running on a surface that moves under your foot is not the same as running on a surface standing still. Okay. For some people, it's harder to run on a treadmill. And for some people, most people, it's easier running on a treadmill. What have people then done? They, they, it's actually known as a common thing to raise the treadmill 1%. And that's where I totally jump off the wagon. I go like, okay, stop. 
if you're going to race to compensate for the speed of something moving under you, you're going to angle your surface 1% uphill. That means you're changing the angle in, the, in your foot. That means you're putting more strain on your calf and your Achilles. It means you're changing everything. It's just, and you're going to do a maximum test on that. So, you know, so in general, I allow testing to be done and then I filter it through that, you know, simply, I just, uh, and I'm trying not to be arrogant here. It's not, I don't want to come across arrogant, but I just think, you know, we have to, we have to sometimes just, you know, better to, I, I prefer my athlete goes and do a 10K run race and then we, we take it from there, you know. And we see mm. then we don't get the lactate number and the metabolic numbers and like that but at least i know i know what the real run pace is at the moment if the person said yeah, i had a good day i felt well and i i gave it all and i paced it right then i know okay this is where we are you know so you know running on track and taking lactate is actually for me one of the best run tests uh, of them all that's what i prefer so, yeah i was going to ask about that as well if, yeah. you, if you like that version yeah 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 absolutely absolutely it's it's less uh, i really like to get the metabolic numbers like fat burning and like that but they have to be done right uh, when they're mm -hmm. done right i really am happy when a science sports scientist or some really dedicated person has the good equipment does it right i'm so grateful but when they do it wrong i'm i, I get quite upset <laughs> so yeah but that's mm -hmm. how yeah yeah yes now i'm uh, carried away <laughs> no that's fine uh, i have a follow-up on the 80 20 yeah. because that's something that obviously has been a lot in uh, all over triathlon endurance sports media yeah. in recent years yeah. uh, what are some examples of uh, situations where you think it's it does not apply so you said that there are some situations where it's the wrong uh, wrong choice and can you just give some examples to give the listeners an idea of uh, how it's not you know a one size fits all just some context where where you would do something else whether it's something more more intensity or less intensity or whatever it is um I have one very good example, and that is that I worked uh, for one year with a very nice guy called Martin Toft. He's a bike rider. So sometimes I I maybe so just go in and, and have a one-on-one -on -one analyze on, on bike riders' performance and like that. And sometimes I – so for him, I we worked on a project for over one year. So I, let's say I was not his coach. I didn't make his week-to-week -week programs, but I was his high-performance advisor in the project, and that was to beat the hour record which at that time was Bradley Wiggins. So it was a pretty it was a pretty high aim, and we almost did. So he got the second fastest time in the world when we tried. We didn't break Wiggins, which is a, but uh, he got the second fast, and he did the Danish record and, and like that. So a fantastic party, fantastic person. So in that, the hour record is simply that you in a velodrome are going for one hour, and the distance then is measured. There are some very specific rules of what is allowed, not allowed. So you work within a, a framework. And of course, aerodynamics is a huge factor. So we worked in the velodrome a lot, uh, testing and testing and testing and testing. Training-wise, uh, we worked and talked about things. And he was, for instance, one guy that in bicycling at that time, and, and many would advise, you know, 80-20. And we talked about it, which approach and like that. And one of my things with him was that he has you have this 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 one thing you're missing is absolute power you know like the, the just strong power just top end power you know to keep for a long time like that and uh, and he said that listen i tried to train 80 20 very restrictive you know really like just doing that and his performance goes down so when 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 we talked about what to do 
he had a full-time job, so he biked to work and from work. It sounds crazy that the second fastest guy in the world did that, but he did. So in that, we incorporated a lot of, let's say, sweet spot training, actually. We did other things also, but we were absolutely outside of the 80-20, totally, because he said from the beginning, I have tried it. It fails every time. Every time I do this, my performance is going down. So it, it, that was very simple in that way. Then we, for instance, him, we put to the gym a lot to get more absolute power. So we simply went away from the bike because he was a bike rider. He's been riding all his life. And I said, if we want to do any adaption in six months time, we have to do something that you haven't done, that he hadn't been in the gym for a long time. So, and there we got some, the biggest benefit. So it's again, you go in and you say, okay, what have you done before? What are we going to spend our time on? We have X amount of time. What are we going to put in as a new component? Where can you be- get the best benefit for the investment of energy and time? Okay, so Jim was really a huge factor in that one. You know? And he was, he was dedicated and he did it and going through hell, you know, basically sometimes. Because when you go in the gym and you haven't done it before, it affects so much your feeling when you're riding. You have many times where you can... Your riding is really bad because you're very tired sometimes and muscular tired, you know. So it, it it's it mentally is a very hard thing to get through, you know. And he did it, so you know, it was very a big pleasure. But there, absolutely, it was a good example of 80-20, no go, not at all. Didn't mm. work. So, do you think that it might have been because in his case he was a very experienced athlete? Uh, with a lot of like a really strong background had built up a very strong base if you want to call it that but he was also time limited so he had sort of the capacity to do a lot of higher intensity even though he wasn't super high but higher than the 80 20 low intensity and uh, because he had that base but he didn't have a full-time doing cycling wasn't a full-time job for him so he he didn't do it for maybe 30 35 hours per week so he couldn't destroy himself either well do you think that might be why it worked so well it could be, but I, yeah, again, absolutely, it can be. You know, I, I'm, I, I try always be too very open and like that, and then we just spend enough time before you make the decision and say go. Then when you make the decision, you have to commit. You know, you have to really go for it and say, okay, we're going to do it this way. You know, but I've seen also, and that's especially one of the things that that happens for me when I have young talents coming and like that. That you know, they go like because I know what it takes. To, in an Ironman, I know what power you need. If, if we say that, okay, let's say the aerodynamics has a CDR of 0.200. Good. Let's say that's the norm. Okay. How much power do you actually have to have to be able to go with if you're not a drafter? Okay. Let's say it's actually a person like most luckily are racing fair. What power do you need to be able to keep over four hours and 30 minutes or whatever it's going to be, you know, on a flat race course? Then when you go into a hilly race course, okay, then you have to have absolute power. You know, then there's a bigger variation, but it can't be if you do Ironman Wales, then the rolling hills on the climbs, then you have to get up to threshold every time. Then you're going to be done when you're running like that. So you have to have a good feel of what numbers should you be able to do. Good. So for instance, a guy like Hans Christian, who won Norseman last year, Norseman is 3000 meters of climbing on the bike in total. It's up and down back basically all the way. And after that, you run 24K flat, and then you run up a, bl- a bloody mountain at the end, really. So there you really have to know what power am I going to do on the climbs that is not going to kill my legs after. Because you're not running flat. You're 24K le- flat and then up a mountain. And running up, if your legs are done, they're done. You're not moving. So there you go in. And then I said, from, he came, and I said, okay, 
I want to win Norseman. Okay, this is going to be a two-year plan. You're too far. You know, you, you, your numbers are too far. Now we cannot accelerate your progress that fast that next year is a factor. Okay, he trained, he went Norseman, he went fine. And the year after I said, okay, the progression line looks fine. Let's push for it. Let's go, you know. And we did, and, and okay, then you say he won. He won the last 200 meters, so he could have been second or third. You know, winning is so difficult. So it's not the point is not that he won. The point is that how long time does it take to develop? And if we had used to get to the point, the 80-20 method with him, he would never have won. Why? Because he was too young. He was not resistant enough. He was not strong enough. You need some basic strength. Now, that strength, that core basic strength on the bike, if you use 80-20 or you use a lot of sweet spot, that's two different approaches. With him, we needed to build strength first. A lot of biking and a lot of... So if you're, ba- if you're biking a lot, like 80% of yours is zone 1 and 2. That is the aerobic system that you're training more than your strength. There's no doubt about that. So that means you are really improving your aerobic, you're building mitochondria, you're all this and like that but you're, you're going to lack the strength of biking 3,000 meters in a race. You, you're not building that strength. So he did a lot of that kind of sweet spot training, you know, a lot, a lot like that. Then at a certain time, you have to change it. You can't keep doing that. Then you're missing out on the other benefits. So that's the point is that, you know, you have to analyze the athlete and you have to see, so what's your threshold? Okay. And, and there are some people also missing the point is that they're doing a 20-minute threshold and then they're evaluating the athlete like that. That doesn't work. We are endurance sport. I'm more interested in go and ride three hours with a good pressure, steady pace, hit these numbers. And then on the fourth hour, I want to see what you can do. I want to see what is your lactate when you are doing what you think is supposed to be your Ironman power in the, in hour four and hour five. Okay. Cause that tells me the endurance. 20 minutes test doesn't tell me any endurance. It tells me your, your, your threshold is super important. But it's not the only factor, especially in Ironman racing. Especially in Ironman racing. So, yeah, okay, yeah. Now I got carried away again. Does, does was it answered to the question? No, that, it 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 does. No, yeah. it does. It gives yeah. another example, another great example. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, no, no, that's that's all good. Mm-hmm. And can we get into some uh, some common mistakes, perhaps that you that you see on one side professionals, but on the other side, perhaps uh, amateurs make when it comes to any of the points that you that we have talked about whether it's the physical training or or something else that you want to mention just some some common mistakes that that are quite common and that we can help people not make yeah um yeah i mean if we if we split it up in age groupers and pros i think on age groupers not so much mistakes more that, that i would say that age groupers it, it, when you are, when you are time limited, then you have to be very careful about your consistency. The pros also, in my opinion, should be, but that's a classic thing to say. You know, consistency is key. Well, it it is actually. And when you go down to a person who puts in eight to fifteen hours compared to let's say fifteen to thirty, forty hours, consistency becomes a bigger factor because that that foundation of uh, of aerobic fitness you have are a little more fragile on the age group than it is on a pro. Because they have some bigger blocks at a, at, a, at a bigger certain amount of volume at times, which gives that foundation is more solid. So that means if you say a good advice, for me, a good advice to age group would be consistency. That means avoid injuries and avoid sickness. You know, that's the two things. What, whatever your job will demand of you, it's demanding. Whatever your wife is demanding or your boyfriend is demanding, they are demanding, you know, especially the wife. So 
you know, in that way, you can. You, that that's just my key advice for uh, age grouper is that there is not any run interval or any thing that is worth getting injured about. For if if your goal is your race result, that's not for the fun of running with guys or racing them on the bike. There's a lot of fun in that, <laughs> and I and I applaud that. I really I love it when they they go in training just going at it you know racing friends it's fantastic but for the race performance it's not always productive you know there, there you consistency is productive for age group i might for sure hmm. um, on on the uh, on on let's say on mistakes i would say well on uh, on the equipment side of mistakes i would say that that there's a tendency for some more than others, but there's a tendency that we get more and more depending on, on the, the watches and on the data, you know, like really I sometimes experience people looking at their training peaks and then telling me I'm tired, you know, like, yeah, well, I knew you were going to say it because your, your, your training peaks has a high uh, chronic training load or uh, acute or whatever. So, you know, some people are actually reacting to what the, the numbers are saying more than they're feeling now. That's very dangerous. They should they should feel more. So you know, when you go and run a two hour run, that you are if you have a normal route that you're running, it actually is very healthy to leave the phone and the watch home. You don't have to come home and know what was your average pace if it's just an easy long two hour run. You know, you don't have to. You can just enjoy running, and it will actually liberate your mind a little bit. So I'm really like. I'm like use the the tools, but they are overused sometimes. The best example for me is when you see a lot of people who are swimming in the pool, and and when they start, then when they push off, they have to press the watch, and then when they come in, instead of just touching the end and moving to the side so other people can turn or get in, they actually have to press their watch, and then they have to through the swim goggles, they start looking at their watch, and they're standing in the middle of the lane of the swim lane. You know, I'm like, come on, you know, just just leave your watches swimming you know this session is 3300 meters you can put it manually into your things after you don't have to have everything on your watch especially in swimming it's quite uh, it's it's actually unethical to swim in that place. so you know i try to sit you just let's 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 feel our bodies and relax a little bit sometimes uh, i think that could be good um, and yeah. on the professional side um, i think on the on the professional side, um, I, I think at the moment, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm always a little careful when I'm there because people are very individual um, on the on the on the on the professional sides. I would say that that. Uh, it's actually one thing that I, we have over that I have on the that I have on the it's it's one of the ten points. It's called peak performance, uh, and under peak performance is uh, some that on the under every point of these ten points we have underlying points, and one of the underlying points is the team that you surround yourself with. Um, and uh, the, I try myself with, with those I work with to kind of like you know really be open and clear with with the guys and girls. But I, I think that some pros, uh, they, get, they get the key players right many times. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, but I think every year you should sit down and say, okay, what's my goal? Who's, who is important for me in that goal? 
who's going to be on my team this year. And hopefully those that you already have, they're the same. That means it has gone well. But I think it's important to say who's going to be on my team. What is the function of that person? Are they capable of that function that I, that I want from them? Do they have the capacity here and now? Do I think they actually have time to, to give that to me now? Because it's not just me as a coach. It's like a physiotherapist. It's like the wife or the boyfriend. It's, it, can be, it can be anything. Anybody that you say, this person has an important function for me this season to reach my goal. Good. And at the end, if you think that, okay, this is, this is the good person. This is what I want from him. This is the capacity he has to have, time-wise also. Then at the end, sit down with the person and say, listen, my friend, I have this goal this year. You're very important to me. I really would like you to help me with this. At certain times, it's going to be nothing. But at certain times here and here, I think I will need you a lot, either with me or even to be able to talk every day on Skype or something. Can you do that? Will you do that? Then you are aligned. Then you are like kind of like, and I think some people, they miss that. I think they just take it for granted, not in a negative way, but just the things just keep flowing. And then suddenly during the season, one person is asked to do something and they can't do it. And then you get in the middle of a hard training block, you get problems and that's not where you want it. Or even worse, leading into the most important race, you get problems because you, you didn't ask that person. You didn't say, this is what I want from you. Can you give me that? You know, and you didn't get the okay. You just take it for granted because, well, last year I did. Well, maybe this year is different. Maybe that person has changed. Maybe things have changed, you know. So I think the pros sometimes need to to organize their team and ask them, are you within this? And then sometimes there is another thing, and that is there are some people they should take out of their team, and they don't. And then they end up being frustrated during the season, and that frustration is it takes too much energy. They have to... You have to take that talk sometimes. You have to go like, listen, you know, you've been my nutrition advisor, but I have had stomach problems in two races and it's just not functioning. So I need to find another. I'm really happy and like that, you know, but I have to move to somebody else, you know, and then you have to do that. So, mm. so aligning with those who are important and then taking out those, either that it doesn't work or that even, I even see some people coming to me and say, oh, this, 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 you know, and I, I'm like, dude, this is, this is not good. This is negative energy, you know, just, Get rid of it. Why are you, yeah, well, I can't. It's a good friend. Yeah, but just the person has to get away when you are racing. It's, just, it's not working. You know? So, so that, that, that's what I think some pros could improve on. Everybody yep. can improve on. That, yeah. That's a very, very interesting and insightful uh, point, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one question about uh, the transition from age grouper to pro you've done that with a lot of athletes that you've coached. So, can you talk a little bit about what an athlete that is racing age group and or is just getting into professional racing from age group racing some things that they need to consider when it comes to taking that step uh, i mean in general i think that that they have to commit you know you, when you're trying to half commit then then you, you're not going to move fast enough you know you will be beaten by those who are committing fully so you need to be able to commit Uh, time-wise, dedication-wise, and like that. Uh, so I, that's my advice to those that comes to me. And I really am, am very hard and, and saying that, can you commit? You know? Can you really, you know, do, do you want to commit? Can you financially commit? Can you time-wise commit? Can you, and, and then, then you move on to the physical part and then you have to be honest as a coach and saying, okay, this is where you are. This is what you can expect in one year and two years of progression. You know, you can't just, you know, 
if we push it too hard, you'll get injured and you just lose your career, you know. So, so, but, but, you know, can they commit, you know? Um, and then I think, you know, one way of thinking about it that I always say is that you have to look at this as a joke. As much as it's romantic to be a professional sports person, the more you do it, uh, there is going to be times when you have to do things that is not nice. That's in any job, you know. So look at it as a job and try to put a time of 40 hours a week that you need to do this, you know. Because um, uh, the alternative for them, if they're not doing it, is to go on the working market. And if you go on the working market, you need to work most European places like 40 hours to make a decent living, you know. So I'm like, you know, put 40 hours in your head and then... Uh, See if you financially can make it the first couple of years before you, before you you get good results and sponsors. You know the, these are the two hardest things. I think it's very hard financially in this sport. You know, so do do you think that it's possible to combine uh, committing with having some sort of part time job to make the finances go about, or do you actually need to have a significant amount of savings that you use to actually really be a full time athlete and not have a job to worry about? I think that's uh, that, that that's that's so individual. That's I mean because it's a it's a question of temperament, you know. That there are some people that if they have savings, if they're using them, you know, like just spending them like that, then, then that will stress them. They'll be like, you know, I should be able. My savings should always be zero or going up. Do you understand what I mean? That, that's like. Yeah. So yeah. if if you're that kind of person, then you then you have to keep your savings and then get a part time job. Whereas if somebody says, no, no, I have saved the money exactly for this for two years, I'm going to burn them on this, then that's fine, you know. So, so that's quite individual, I think, on, on that. And, and, and so there you should really feel, who am I? What am I going to be good with? Because you don't need that stress as you're really pressing your body in training and racing to, to new heights. You know, you need to be in balance. So you've got to... You got to feel and like that, you know, how you, how you are. And I, I think also when you choose a job, if you take a part-time job, you got to choose a job. I mean, a lot of the young ones, they go like, oh, I'll, they get one good result and then they start coaching. You know, it's, it's like, well, if you're 25 and you start coaching, what do you have to give? You know, like, is it, is it actually your training methodology you're giving or is it mine or somebody else's? And is it just to make money? And I think that's that's because that's the business i'm in i don't like when people are coaching just to make a living just to get the money you if you take somebody else's uh, you know sports dreams and you say i will put them in my hands and i'll take care of them then you have to do it with a with a with the intent of i want to help you reach a fantastic performance in a race and you know in your life it sounds very mother Teresa, but that's i think that should be the base of coaching other people that should be the person. It shouldn't be that I need money, so I'm going to coach. You know, that's just not. That's just not absolutely. Bad. Yeah, it's it's not just yeah, a transaction. It's, it's also a relationship. So you need to have the ah, investment yeah. from both parties. Yeah, and yeah. In it. So that's my advice to some athletes because they get asked, "Oh, you won that race? Can you coach me like that?" And I say to them, "Don't take ten. That's first of all a lot of stress from the beginning. So take two and three and feel if if you feel you add value and if you're good at it." then do more maybe but don't take five just because you can get that money you know so that's always my advice and some of them hey some of them will will coach and they will maybe even after one year they're better coaches than me fine cool but not do it for the money do it because you want to give somebody a other a person a maximum help that they can reach something they want in their lives that so so that, that it's very individual on that one to get to the point is that that 
that it, it there you there they have to be careful and anybody advising them have to be careful to really let the people be individual some people get stressed of one thing some people get stressed of another thing and that's that's the most important don't put don't put you in a, they should not put themselves in a situation where they are stressing about things that's not good for for performance it's just mm, not, yep. yeah that makes sense yeah I just have one more question, and it's actually yeah. going back to following up on uh, what we discussed with with regard to the long-distance training versus the research being done on yeah. Olympic sports. Yeah. And like, can you give an example of uh, where perhaps there might be a, like a discrepancy between what we might find if we just rely on the, that sort of scientific evidence from based on mostly Olympic sports versus what you actually think tends to work better for long distance triathlon? I mean, no, it might be a difficult question to answer, but. No, uh, it, yeah. it, I think I will more leave it up than say that anybody hearing my answer now, this is my opinion. Okay. What is my opinion? It comes from who I talk with, what studies I read, and at the end, my decision on what I want to believe. So here's what I believe. Uh, I read one study and talked with one person who told me. I've read many studies and talked many. Recently, one made best sense to me because it aligns with most things that I have seen and and been told by people that I... Sometimes I talk with a person that I go like, hmm, yeah, well, that was maybe not so... But then sometimes I meet fantastic people and sometimes they actually share their knowledge and I'm grateful. So one person shared the knowledge with me and saying that, Frank, there is a lot of talk about intensity there is a lot of talk about volume there's a lot about oh, old school new school whatever i studied these things i'm i studied the mit mito i can't say the word my mitochondria it's just, yeah mitochondria yeah so my they are the, the the let's say the powerhouse of the muscle that's where oxygen goes in together with some kind of energy source fat uh, carbohydrates whatever and it's turned into atp and so forth so that's where we develop to move now they can either they are very interesting because we want them to be better and how are they better they are better in two ways either by training they multiply that means they become more of them so more of powerhouses attached to your muscle fibers and meaning that more to take in oxygen and energy to make you move faster or longer Um, or they grow in size that's the two ways that mitochondria, they improve. Now, this person, he said to me what I believed already, and so he just confirmed, and he said to me. Now I studied it so much. It's a very complicated thing to study. My con- I'm still convinced from all the results I see that you can, you can really make a huge adaption to these mitochondria in two ways, either by long aerobic training or by shorter and harder but what i am seeing is that shorter and harder will make them grow more in size and multiply also whereas long aerobic will make them multiply more and grow in size secondarily and in his opinion for endurance sport the multiplying is more important than the size of the mitochondria so that i i was talking slow to try and do it right in total he said to me it's beneficial to do short intensity things for endurance athletes it's beneficial to do long volume and aerobic training 
I believe still that it's more, if you have to choose, you got to go for the volume and the long. So, yeah. And, and then it, that, that's, and I hope it answers, and that's then where I still am. I am not replacing, at some times of the periodization that I do with my athletes, I will replace long with shorter and harder and gym and whatever. But that's a periodization question. You, in my opinion, to do a good Ironman, a part of your periodization period needs to have volume. When and where, that's the art of coaching. But uh, it needs. So, Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And there was, I actually thought that you might go uh, in that direction with your answer because a lot of research is uh, on that high-intensity training but and partially as you say because of the the olympic sports i think also another factor there is that it's simply much easier to study high intensity than it is to study big volume because you would need a much longer period maybe yeah, to see yeah. the changes yeah so it's it's kind of an easy easier research project to yeah. study six weeks of high intensity yeah. interval training yeah but yeah uh, uh, that's that's a great example that totally answers uh, the question yeah so let's go into the rapid fire questions here <laughs> yeah, and yeah. just one one sentence for these and the first one is what's your favorite book blog or resource related to endurance sports um i it has to be from good to great uh, which is actually a corporate book that's uh, from good to great and and it, it is simply because it has shaped my mind to understand that if you want great results it is a, it can be a long process and you need to be very consistent so I, I carried that from corporate into to the when I changed to sports performance. So. Yeah, great. And what's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? Uh, uh, the athlete, the person. It's not a gear equipment, but everything else. <laughs> but everything else is secondary to me. It's, yeah. it, I find it very uninteresting. I, my ninety percent of my interest is in the athlete. All right. And what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? Uh, it, it's a, it's good and it's a curse for me. It's a, I, I'm always looking for how we proceed to the next level. I'm always looking for that. And I, I'm so stupid that even when an athlete has won a race, which happens so few times and it's, I'm, it's a fantastic thing when they do, I'm almost immediately thinking if there was anything we could improve. So it, it's good because I... It, I'm very, I'm pressing very hard to, I'm very dedicated to improving them from where they are. But sometimes I also have to be better at just opening the champagne and just sitting down and smiling. So yeah, it, it, I think it's an asset for me. It's, it helps me, but uh, I have to control it. <laughs> Let's say mm. like that. So yeah. Yeah, make, makes, yeah. Le- makes a lot of sense. So uh, yeah, that wraps it up. Do you are you on social media? What what are the places that people can follow you? Find out what you get going on. You have some training camps over there in Mallorca, maybe. So tell the listeners where they can figure out more of of that sort of where they can interact with you and find you. I, I, I'm on Facebook. I post results from my athletes sometimes when when I think they have done a great job because I think they deserve it. I don't do anything else. I'm not on Instagram. I'm nowhere. I hate it. Uh, so you can, I'm on, I'm, my name is Frank Jacobson and some, I have the, uh, the hashtag coach Frank. So that will, you will probably be able to find me on Facebook there. You're very welcome to follow me. Sometimes I post a lot when there's a lot of racing or we do funny things. And sometimes I don't post at all. I'm, I try to go in and then leave 
if I don't answer your comments, don't find me arrogant. I just try to limit my time on social media as I think they are they're not super productive for our brain. So that's the else we that's run a thing thought, yeah. called Next Level Camp. Uh, it's a, it's training camps in Mallorca. Uh, I run it together with my wife. She's basically running it and I help out sometimes. Uh, and that's that is called nextlevelcamp.com. We are we are very hit by the corona, mildly speaking at the moment, so the season is lost. But we will be back next year. So if anybody wants to come and train, we are there. And, and if you have any questions or anything, you're welcome to write to me on Facebook or on Next Level Camp. I'm, I'm always open. And, 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 you know, when I have time, I answer. And, and when I don't have time, it takes a little longer. But, you know, yeah. If this interview with you, I'm, 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 first of all, Michael, I'm, you know, to be on the same interview as some of the people you have had. So ridiculously honored uh, that you, you asked me. Um, and just want to say that uh, to anybody in the corona environment out there, we'll get to the other side. Just keep the passion and for the sport, and and everything will go on. and stay safe and healthy out there. That's uh, that's let's say that's more important at the moment. So I I hope everybody does that, and we get to the other side. And one thing, stay home because if you actually like the sport, then we do not want our best athletes to get sick at the moment because this is a lung infection thing. And we don't want them to get hurt in their lungs. So if your government says so stay home, then there is a reason for it. Then do that and do it as much as you can. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Frank, for your generous uh, giving of your time and uh, advice. This has been, been really great. So I uh, hope that the listeners uh, will enjoy this and uh, we'll see you next year in, on some training camps in Mallorca. Okay, Mike. Thank you very much. Stay safe. I hope that you enjoyed that interview. As usual, you can find the show notes on thattriathlonshow.com, which, uh, by the way, uh, I should mention this at, at this point because I, I get uh, quite a few questions uh, about thattriathlonshow.com over time. Isn't it scientifictriathlon.com? And uh, yes, it is. Uh, thattriathlonshow.com is simply a redirect address that will automatically change change to scientifictriathlon.com forward slash podcast so actually from now on i will simply start referring to go to scientifictriathlon.com rather than thattriathlonshow.com and then you just click through to the podcast page and uh, from there you can click through to the show notes but uh, thattriathlonshow.com is uh, a domain that i uh, created just to have a simple redirect that is easy to read on air and easy to remember and it will still be working of course but uh, for uh, a minimum amount of confusion i will stop referring to that on uh, on these shows and just start talking about scientific going forward either way on the show notes page you'll find all the links to the related episodes and uh, links to uh, frank's uh, coaching bio and his uh, next level camp website so that's their uh, training camp business and uh, that's uh, that's it for the show notes on thursday tune in for the q a as usual and then tune in on Monday when I interview Phil Burt, who is uh, a bike fitter and physiotherapist who has spent uh, a large number of years with British Cycling and Team Sky. So one of the best in the business when it comes to bike fitting and physiotherapy. Now those uh, house cleaning items I mentioned at the beginning. So uh, again, I have created a free training plan. It's eight weeks long and is available in three different versions, depending on your typical weekly training volume. So one that is seven hours per week, one that is 12 hours per week, and one that is 17 hours per week. 
And uh, the premise of this plan is simply to like really build a solid solid foundation of training and hopefully improve on running and cycling uh, with uh, being able to really focus in on them but without going to the very limit of capacity and uh, really putting yourself at risk with uh, immunosuppression so that's not the idea but uh, there is some hard work there for sure it's supposed to hit a like a sweet spot of working hard to improve but not working so hard that you might be doing when peaking for a race because there are no races going on in the immediate future so that plan is something that you can check out on scientifictriathlon.com and you'll find the link in the menu it's been downloaded over 600 times already after four days uh, of being uh, launched so i think that is absolutely amazing and thank you to everybody who has sent in really positive feedback on on the plan already i really appreciate it and i would encourage everybody who is self-coached to at least have a look at the plan so download it and even if you're not going to use it as is then it can be a great source for just getting some knowledge on training plan structure and even just a source for getting some new interesting workouts into your rotation so check it out and let me know what you think and then the other house cleaning item is about the inside testing service that uh, we offer and uh, that's simply the updated protocol that inside has recently launched so for those of you that may already have taken the inside test in the past you know that it used to be an overpaced four minute time trial and an overpaced 20 minute time trial plus a 15 second sprint and that overpacing part meaning that you go as hard as you possibly can at the beginning and then you hang on for dear life that is something that is very difficult to execute and uh, that's been something that inside has been working on to uh, correct and make a better protocol and they have managed to do that so now the protocol consists of just simply best possible time trials so you would pace them uh, at your best possible steady pace which is a huge improvement because that is a lot easier it's no more it's no less painful but it's just a lot easier to have an idea of how to pace evenly rather than how to do that sort of overpacing so now even though the protocol is flexible but the standard version of it would be a 20 second sprint a three minute all-out time trial a six minute all-out time trial and a 12 minute all-out time trial and with those tests that i generally recommend you do on separate days so for example on a monday wednesday and a thursday the sprint can be done on the same day as for example the three minute test uh, with that testing you can get lab grade accurate physiological data with just your power meter you can do it uh, on your trainer or you can do it out on the roads so uh, and by the i'm going through the test myself i did the uh, six minute test yesterday by the time of this recording but i still have the three minute 12 minute and 20 second tests to go but by the time this episode is released i will have done the test and have gotten myself a new set of uh, inside uh, data to use to to get, make my training more effective all right big thanks to our sponsors precision hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com Go and take the free online sweat test to get an estimate for how much sodium you lose in your sweat and how much electrolytes you need to replace. You can get 15% off your order with the promo code thattriathlonshow15. And big thanks to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Check out the new Matador sunglasses. But if sunglasses is not your jam, then you can check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, and high-performance eyewear 
other than sunglasses, I guess. And you can get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can find on the landing page, roca.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon. Mm-hmm.